Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you have ever been considering possibly going to a residential center, maybe for yourself, maybe for your child, and let's say that you've just been struggling and maybe maybe your child has been going to intensive outpatient for a while and it just doesn't seem to to work, doesn't seem to help. And yet the thought of trying to go to a residential center, one, it's daunting to find one, two, do you find one that's in your insurance? And three, when do you have the time? And there's so many obstacles. And so if you're a parent and maybe you've been trying to do your research on residential and you can't find anywhere, you're finally to the point where, yeah, I think we need to take my child to the residential center, but I don't know where, I don't know how. Or maybe, maybe you have a child or a loved one that's currently in a residential center and they're getting ready to be released. And then what? Well, I have a very special guest that she is the founder and CEO of Aspen Growth Coaching. And the title of this episode is how mental health intersects with building a values-based business with Alex Mufson. And she is going to be talking about her company, working with people who are either getting ready to go into residential or maybe need to go, but they don't know, maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't, or they work with people who are being released from a residential center. Coming right up. Welcome to the Mental Health Today Show. My name is John Cordray, and I am a licensed therapist, and I am the host of the Mental Health Today Show, and I am so glad that you are here. Welcome. If you are new, I really appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe and follow the show. We'd love to have you. And some of you have been listening for a very long time, and I never want to ignore you at all. I want to thank you so much for being a part of this show for so long. Well, like I mentioned at the very beginning, I have a very special guest and I can't wait to talk about this because this is a huge issue for so many people. And that is, what if you have been to treatment and it doesn't quite work? And and maybe the next step, the traditional next step might be residential. And then it's like, well, where do you go? Where do you start? And maybe some of you might have a loved one that's in a residential center right now, and maybe they're getting ready to be released. And then you're wondering, oh my gosh, now what? What are we going to do now? Well, Alex, she is a founder and CEO, like I mentioned, of Aspen Growth Counseling. And it's a company that really pushes the limits of mental health care and brings, I love this, brings the magic of residential treatment home. And she also supports already highly successful people who feel out of alignment and to radically reprioritize their lives and move forward with intention through private mindset mentorship. Alex holds a bachelor's degree in feminist studies and is a licensed clinical social worker who has worked in clinical treatment. 
advocacy, and coaching settings for 15 years. Always pushing the limits of conventional treatment, Alex is known for encouraging her clients and her team to be curious and to look for insight and inspiration in unlikely places. Ooh, I love that. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh, I am too. Because this is this is an issue. This is a big issue. And we're going to be talking about residential treatment. And and maybe someone is listening to this. So maybe it's a, a maybe a parent that's listening to this and they have a child that is really struggling and they're trying to decide maybe they, they need to take their child to a, a treatment, a residential treatment center, but that's daunting. Or, or maybe it's maybe it's an adult that's listening to this and they are in residential or maybe recently released from a residential treatment center and they're wondering what's next. Well, I'm really excited about this because your company, the Aspen Growth Coaching Company, that's exactly what you do. You help these individuals who are struggling either about whether they go into residential or when they're released from residential. And I would love to learn more about that. So first, let's start with your company. And then I want to start with you. And I want you to tell me a little bit about who you are and how did you get involved with the, the Aspen Growth Coaching? Well, that's a big question. So I'm excited. <laughs> so Aspen Growth Coaching, I founded two years ago. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, we're, we're offering options to people who are either considering residential or maybe they don't even have residential on the table. Maybe they just know what's happening in the home isn't working but we're really dedicated to keeping people in their communities and in their families, if at all possible. And then if they do need to enter a residential treatment center, great. There are wonderful interventions out there, but that should only happen once. So I spent the better part of a decade working in residential treatment. And what I noticed was there were some key things that really worked in these treatment centers and it wasn't always that hour in the office with the clinician. It was this magic of experiential learning and real-time responsiveness and the deep relationships that are formed in a residential setting that were taking people to the next level in their insight. And then when they left, they just didn't have that anymore. They're just walking into our traditional, you know, maybe once a week outpatient, maybe a support group or you know, an AA group or something like that. And it just wasn't translating. Their success that they found in residential wasn't translating to the home. And I also saw a lot of people, especially young people, entering long-term residential treatment only because there weren't the right resources available for their community, but they were safe enough that they could have stayed in their community. So I spent a long time researching and working, and I, I was an assistant clinical director at a treatment program for a long time and wondering how can we capture this magic and how can we repurpose it and bring it home for people? And Aspen Growth Coaching is my answer to those questions. Well, I think that's really cool. I mean, a lot of this, what you're going to be talking about comes from your experience of working in a residential and what better, better foundation for you because you've seen what it was like in the residential. You've seen things that worked well and things that didn't quite work well, it could have been better. And, and so now you're, you're looking at this, this opportunity to help people 
maybe what I love, here's what I love. Not only do I love the fact that Aspen Growth Coaching helps people who, who transition from a residential treatment center and trying to get them integrated back into their home and in their, in their community. But what I also love is the fact that maybe, just maybe, someone is not, maybe doesn't need to go to a residential treatment center. But the traditional method is maybe if someone goes to counseling and it gets worse, then they go into intensive outpatient and that doesn't seem to, to work. And maybe then they go into partial hospitalization and that doesn't really work. And the parents are at the their wits end and they don't know what to do. And usually the traditional method is, well, if all this doesn't work, then the next step is residential treatment center. You just described so many of our clients perfectly. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's not quite needed because there's there's a bridge there. There's a gap between the community. Do I, it's everything, all the traditional methods maybe they're not working. And and so the the thought is, well, if you're getting help at home and it's not getting getting any better, then you need to go live somewhere and go to a treatment center. Not that I'm saying anything wrong with residential treatment centers. There's a wonderful, it's great service. But what I'm saying is there are some people who are not necessarily, they, they don't need to go to a residential. There's just the next step. And so I see Aspen Growth Coaching as that next step. Yeah. And I think it's not about saying, are these things that we have done for a long time wrong? It's not a right or wrong. All of these can exist together. It's about asking new questions. What is working? And now that we have the level of technology available to us, can we reimagine how we provide the services that do work really well in residential? And so creating a dynamic treatment team, creating real-time feedback, creating deep relationship is completely possible with the level of technology that we all just have in our phones now. That wasn't there 30 years ago when residential treatment became that much more of a part of our society. It just wasn't available. So again, this isn't about saying that's not good. It's about asking a whole new question. Are there things that we can do to get these same beautiful services to people in an entirely new framework? Ooh, I love that. Love it. So Alex, before we get deeper into what you do with at Aspen Growth Coaching, I want to learn a little bit about you and kind of your story. Can you tell us a little backstory of you and and maybe maybe going back to when you decided, you know what, I'm going to pursue becoming a therapist. And then then how did you get involved in founding Aspen Growth? Like when was that moment where you thought Hmm, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. That's a great question. So I I always laugh when people ask me this question because the route seems very natural to me, but it doesn't necessarily seem natural on paper. So you mentioned I have a degree in feminist studies as an undergraduate. That's true. And I did what all feminist studies majors do. And I started a horse training business, <laughs> which is <laughs> not the typical path. And I I really spent the better part of my 20s as an animal behaviorist, primarily horses, also dogs. And where this idea really came from actually stems all the way from that part of my life. And the reason is because I entered the animal behavior world, really, I didn't have this language for it at the time, but very much from a systems perspective, the clinician's 
listening to this will understand what that means. And I was always sharing with people, your horse is coming with all these behaviors, but how are you influencing the relationship? So instead of centering the horse, which again, to the clinicians in the room, the horse was the identified patient. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't think so. Like, let's look at the system. Let's look at you. And let's see how the relationship is really creating the horse to express themselves in this certain way. So while I'm doing this, my clients who were amazing started saying, oh, I think actually I'm bringing this to the table because frankly, when my horse is around you, all is well, <laughs> but when they're around me, not so well. The family therapist in the room will, will be appreciating this. So they started asking me for, I mean, they were basically asking me for therapy. And I said, you know, I'm your 24-year-old horse trainer. I don't think that's appropriate that I provide those services. But when enough people asked, I started thinking to myself, okay, well, if, if your client keeps requesting a service, how should I pursue that? And this actually intersected with a time in my life in which I had very mysterious brain disease, which sounds very dramatic, and it was rather dramatic. And I was having these random brain hemorrhages. And I had no idea. I still don't know. I have, I have more information now than I did then. But I was looking at my life and I was thinking, okay, how am I going to handle the fact that I'm having these very extreme experiences while also being a pretty extreme athlete at the time. So those things don't really work well together. And so I, I entered therapy myself when I was, I don't remember, 24, 25. And that was so profoundly helpful to me in living with the fact that I had and have an undiagnosable brain disease that I was like, wow, this therapy thing really, it really works. And I guess this thing that these people are asking me to do, if it can be that powerful in my life, to really set me on the path to live with that kind of extreme unknown. I think we all don't know when we're going to die. We all don't know what's coming next. But not everyone is confronted with that in that very real and visceral way. And I think those that are listening who have understand what I'm saying when when death is very close and you realize that you have to live with that knowledge that it's very close. So therapy was wildly impactful to me in being able to process that and make meaning of that. And so I started thinking to myself, this therapy thing is not that bad. <laughs> and these people are asking me for this service. And I, I think they think I could be really good at it. So all of that to say, I entered a master's in social work program and I pursued that. And everyone knows you have to do field placements and practicums for these clinical degrees. And I live in pretty rural Montana, so there was not a lot of options. And I stumbled upon a therapeutic boarding school, which is residential treatment. And honestly, without any intentionality to it, it was simply near my house or close enough I knocked on the door and asked for a field placement. And in the process, I ended up 
developing an animal-centered therapy program that built on my my animal experience and my newfound clinical experience. I progressed up the ranks and I spent some time as an assistant clinical director. And all of that coalesced with my own story that I've mentioned of, you know, really undoing my whole life to try to find meaning and make sense of the very real and extreme chronic illness that I was living with. So all of that worked together to inform me that there is some magic out there that isn't being captured in our mental health community. And I think that there are places that are very clear disruptors. And so Aspen Growth Coaching was born. I obviously had started a, an animal behavior business in my 20s, so I was comfortable with that. I like to joke my first business was when I was three years old, I announced to my mom that I was the CEO of a company in South America. I had an assistant and our product was that we had the last remaining woolly mammoth. Some people have an imaginary friend. I had an imaginary company in woolly mammoth. And so I always say like, well, Aspen Growth Coaching is not my first or second company. And then growing up, I had some very small and real businesses that did not involve woolly mammoths. And so entrepreneurship is something that clearly I've been interested in since I was three and did not know the word entrepreneurship. And so now I'm just loving having this beautiful business where I get to work with, frankly, outstanding providers and explore this intersection of how does entrepreneurship live with values-based business and really support a changing tide in in mental health and, and our mental health community. So it's honestly just a privilege to be along for this ride. I, I love it so much. Well, I, I like how you just mentioned that you're along for the ride. And, you know, that's usually what happens when things develop organically. And what you just mentioned was very organic. I mean, who in the world mm -hmm. would have thought that when you went and knocked on the door of the residential center, fast forward years later, that you would be the founder and CEO of your own coaching business? You know, I actually do. I would be the founder and CEO of another business because I was leaving my animal behavior business. And I was very intentional about learning along the way. Um, that, that little kid who owned a woolly mammoth was never far from my heart. So I think, you know, when you say that, I'm like, I actually did know that I would have another company and I actually know that I will probably have more because I love building values-based businesses. I didn't know what it was going to be. And I think that one of the beautiful lessons of all of this and really stemming from chronic illness is that we get to assign meaning to things that happen in our life and they don't have to just happened to us. So obviously, a lot of that story that I just told you, frankly, was painful and unpleasant. And I learned through my own process that I get to attach whatever meaning I want to it now. Doesn't mean that it didn't suck. It just means that how I move forward with it. So, you know, me sitting here on this podcast is part of attaching that meaning. I would never have had all of this opportunity to have exactly this business and be exactly this person without both the highs and the lows that happened in that story. Well, and that is so true. And, you know, the, the fact that you are struggling with, with really a lot of unknowns, didn't you mention that it's an undiagnosed brain disease? 
So, yes, I've had a number of brain hemorrhages. I also, about 13 years into the process of searching for some answers, I was diagnosed with advanced stage endometriosis. And I do take every opportunity I can to talk about that because I do think, though they don't exactly know how, that kind of unmanaged advanced stage disease is likely what contributes to the brain episodes. And for anyone who doesn't know, one in the estimates are between one in eight and one in 10 people who are assigned female at birth have endometriosis. And it takes an average of, in the United States, approximately 10 years to receive an accurate diagnosis and often much longer to get treatment. And that is a product of a lot of systems of oppression that intersect with our medical community. And I, I do know for sure that I have not, that now I'm three surgeries in and probably I know I have another in January. And it's so important because the more I speak out about this, the more people come to me and ask questions. And I've actually helped now dozens of people get accurate diagnostics and accurate surgeries just from me being public about it. Like that's not my job. That's not what my company does. But I just talk about it really openly and how the medical community didn't serve me for all of those years. And it, it led to a lot of damage to my body. And so talking about that, man, the stories that people bring to me are incredible. And honestly, a little bit on repeat because I hear the same sort of medical gaslighting happening over and over. And so if anyone's listening to this and you have a lot of pain and people are telling you that it's not real or that you're crazy or it's part of being assigned female at birth, it's not. I believe you. You're welcome to reach out. And there are resources out there that can help you. Mm, there you are riding that wave again. Gotta ride the wave. I, I'm on it, so I might as well ride it, right? <laughs> exactly. And you didn't sign up for it. No, but I mean, we're all, a, we're all a product of our intersecting privileges and systems of oppression and disadvantages. And I was born with a lot of privilege. And though I also have challenges in my life. Part of my mission to share that privilege that I do have is by speaking out on all of these issues and creating a company that is not only great for our clients, but really can set a model for how employees can be treated and how you know we can sort of question the status quo of capitalism in our companies. Because really, capitalism can be great if we are assigning value to really beautiful things like mental health care and you know, quality of life for employees. And so all of this intersects for me in a way that I'm just grateful to have platforms like this to share that privilege. Well, that's excellent. And, and I love the fact that you are open with your struggles. And I mean, because I think that's a great example for others to follow. You're not hiding it. You're not hiding behind it. You know, you're, you're moving forward and you're doing some amazing things. And I think that is just a great example. So I hope, I hope people will reach out to you if they're struggling with that. I think, I think it's one of those, it's one of those places where you get to define the meaning. And, you know, I, I, as we all have, I've had struggles and crazy things happen since that very first brain hemorrhage when I was like 24 or something. And I, I have remembered distinct moments where I've been able to sit back and say, you know what, if I can assign meaning to something like that and really truly believe that it is one of the best things that has ever happened to me because I wouldn't be, 
I wouldn't be the CEO of Aspen Growth Coaching and know the incredible people that I know and have amazing team like I do, for instance. That's just one of the blessings had I not had that experience or have that experience of chronic illness. So because I can see that, trust me, it doesn't make the pain any less. The physical pain is still there, but it certainly makes it easier to live with and and move forward with. And so I have been very grateful for that. And I acknowledge that a lot of privilege goes into being able to even have the time and space to do therapy and think about these things in the way that I'm thinking of them. So it's all an intersection, right? And we're just trying to pass it forward a little bit. Yeah, I love that. Now, you mentioned you mentioned the values-based business. And some people that are listening to this may not know exactly what does that mean? Can you explain that a little bit for us? Awesome question. You know, I think I think a lot of the time when we think about businesses, we think about profit margins, right? Like that's kind of a business makes money. And I I do try to make money in my business and we do actually have extremely high profit margins. And I'm very public with that because I don't think those profit margins are an accident. Values-based business means that everything from the the product, so for us, it's you know remote coaching and you know dynamic treatment teams. That's our product. But going into delivering that product, we have to have both values in the deliverable and how the team experiences working in the business. So my contracts are incredibly thought out to the point where it's 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 as empowering for the person signing the contract as an employee as it is to the business, to the choices as to who we work with and how we work, to our pricing. And, you know, we are certainly not, by any means, we're not cheap because we are niche services. But in comparison to a lot of our competitors, we're incredibly affordable. And so finding all of these moments where you can make choices that aren't just about profit margins, but are about people. I believe that if you prioritize people and you prioritize your values, and in this case, one of our main values is, is service. And really, you know, that is not just service to our clients, but service to everyone we interact with. When we, when we lead with this, I think we really escape a lot of competition that people find in business building because they're so focused on, am I better than, am I better than my competitors? Am I making more money than our competitors? And instead of doing that, just really saying like, nope, this is, these are our values and being super authentic in how you present that, even in those moments where it's easy to get caught up in just comparison, but instead lead with values, lead with values, lead with values. I think you escape a lot of competition because we're not competing. We do something that I think is unique, both because of the service and because of the the love behind it, right? Like if we're like completely driven by this connection and these values, even if someone offered exactly the same service, it wouldn't feel the same. And therefore, it wouldn't even be competition. It would just be another option. So values-based business is really moving away from the idea that, you know, company and business is king 
and into the idea that the people, every everyone from the client all the way to, you know, the assistant who is not ever going to meet a client is important and that we're modeling our values every step of the way. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So what you're, you just said, the, the values-based business that Aspen Growth Coaching values is everybody is worth worthy and has value from the client to the assistant. I would say our team has so much autonomy in their day, in their practice, in, you know, where they're, where they're spending their time. An example is, so our employees that are clinical or coaching specialties, so sobriety coaches all the way to clinical coaches, they, they have a full-time job, but that full-time job has a lot of flexibility within it. They work no more than 20 client-facing hours, which a lot of outpatient therapists are seeing 35 you know, clients a week or more. So we cap clinical facing hours at 20. So then everyone's like, well, what is the rest of the full-time job? First of all, I don't care if you're working 40 hours. Like this isn't about, you know, the old labor union, you know, 40 hour limit. Instead, we set quarterly growth goals that are both your personal growth goals and how you're growing the company and it's outcomes driven. And so this is just one of those changes where if someone wants to do their sessions, you know, 20 hours could be spread in say three days and then they need to take a few days off <laughs> because they got to go handle something. But then their, their quarterly growth goal is going to be fine because you have the whole quarter to work on it. Like, great, go live your life. Like, don't be just chained to a schedule. We have an unlimited PTO policy, which I know a lot of companies are working with now in that it involves the whole team stepping up and supporting each other. And I hire in a way that I trust the people that I hire. And I actually think the harder thing is to get people to take PTO at my company than to, to, than to say, hey, hey, you've, you've gone overboard on this unlimited PTO because everyone loves what they're doing and feels so motivated and inspired that I'm like, hey, I appreciate that you got to take some time off. You got to take care of yourself. And, and I'm regularly, we use an app to do our clinical consult because I'm all about not having meetings if you don't need to have meetings. And I'm more likely to have to say like, hey guys, turn the app off. Like, <laughs> I hear you. I'm on this app too. And like, tell them they have to stop case consulting than I am encouraging people. And that's just because everyone's getting to do what they feel they're great at. And when you feel like you're great at doing something, you want to do it. And that is at the core, what is modeling healthy engagement to the families that we work with. Mm. I love it because when you take care of your employees, your employees are going to take care of the families and the, and the clients. Of course. How could we expect, how could we expect to heal family systems if ours is broken? Yeah. Love it. Love it. So, okay, let's do a kind of a recap here. Because our time is, I mean, I can keep talking forever. I know, this is fun. But uh, let's do a little bit of recap. So Aspen Growth Coaching, it's really to help on the client side, whether it's families, because what's the age range that you start with? It's a great question. And again, we go back to that horse thing. The identified patient is often the young person in a family system. That doesn't end up being 
our only client, nor is it always our longest client. We love it if the young person launches and doesn't need us anymore, but perhaps the parents want support in managing that launch. That's that's great. It doesn't have to be because you called us about your 15-year-old that only the 15-year-old is receiving services. In fact, it shouldn't be. So we are fully remote. So under 12 years old gets a little bit tricky as far as being fair to them, that it is not an in-person, we can't offer that sort of tactile experience. And, you know, if someone is 19 and not in a, you know, developmental place where they're able to utilize remote services, that also wouldn't be appropriate. As far as the older end, the sky's the limit. Anyone who wants to participate, we have, you know, a few signature packages, but the full circle involves that whole dynamic treatment team effect where we're, we're treating the whole family, not just the individual. And then we have some parent intensives and an independence accelerator for, you know, the young person who's trying to launch and just needs a little extra support. And then from there, people often stay with us for, you know, years because we are fully remote. You can move, you can go to college and, and we can grow and ebb and flow our services with you. Well, and you bring up a good point. You're remote and you're also coaches. So, you, so the coaches, even though they might be clinically trained, they're not necessarily state licensed, which then they're not bound to that particular state. Is that right? Yeah. So most of our coaches have some sort of clinical masters. Not all of them have chosen to pursue licensure, though some at some points in their career have. Our chief clinical officer is actually pursuing a, a PsyD right now. So pretty advanced level. We also have some non-clinical professionals, such as sobriety coaches. We have ADHD skills coach, you know, that kind of thing. And there's a reason why we don't, we don't only value, you know, traditional clinical knowledge. The other thing that is distinct is, like I said, our mission is to get people back to life and in their communities. So we are very forward focused. So while we can do and do do quite a bit of, you know, trauma support and trauma informed work and that the stuff that you would often see in the office, that's very available to our team. And I'm glad that we have that skill set. But we're always keeping an eye on how to get back to life, get active, turn that insight into action so that we're not just processing and, you know, staying in one place clinically over and over and over. Instead, we're like, cool, how are we going to apply that to getting back to life? We're very forward focused. And that's a big reason why a lot of these people who have been trained as clinicians choose to join this team is because they really like that action orient and to say, okay, let's get back to life. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. So that's really cool. So does that mean then, okay, so anybody that's in the U S can take advantage of this if they, if they need to, we've actually had international clients. Wow. So what you're saying is you're global. So if someone, because this podcast reaches all over the world mm -hmm. as well, people listen all over the world. So if someone is in a different part of the world, not just the country, but the world. We have a young person in Scotland right now. We've had people in the UK. We've had people in Tokyo. Our only constraint is time zones. So if we can make it work, we make it work. <laughs> nice. That's great. So then really quickly, so that's the client side. So if a, a young adult or an adult or a parent is curious about, well, maybe, maybe my child or, or my loved one, maybe they don't need to go to a residential, but they need something. They need to reach out to you. 
what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? We have a website, www.aspengrowthcoaching.com. And there is both a contact form and a really brief application that just lets us get to know you. And then you'll speak with either me or our admissions team to get to know you a little better. And then we can put together a team for you. Oh, that's awesome. Very quick, very simple. Just go to the website. Even I would imagine you're okay if a parent has questions and maybe they don't know if this is right for them. We'd love that. We spend a lot of time doing some education because, you know, there are times where the answer is, yes, you do need a residential stay. Remember, it's not about saying that one thing is better than another. It's making sure that people are getting the services that they need. And so if we spend time with a family and realize that, in fact, it would be safer for them to be in a residential treatment center, we are absolutely going to support them to find the resources they need to choose that and, and explain how we differ. Usually that is because there's a need for a safe container that the household cannot accommodate. Nice. And then, okay. So they reach out to you, ask questions, you or somebody on your team will be happy to talk with them. So that's the client side, the provider side, the coaching side. If someone is a professional right now and they're interested in working for Aspen Growth Coaching, do they go to the same website? Is that kind of the same, similar? Is there a place on there for them to, to look into possibly applying? Yeah, so they can just utilize our contact form there. We love cover letters that explain why you're drawn because we're so mission and values oriented that we want everybody on the team to feel that way. So yeah, a cover letter, a resume, it can come straight to me, which is just Alex at Aspen Growth Coaching or our business team admissions at Aspen Growth Coaching and it'll get to the right right people. Nice. I love the personal touch. Yeah, of course. So Alex, that's, that's great. Just amazing. It's very personal approach and I love that. And not only for the client side, but for the provider side too. That's really cool. So one of the things that I like to ask all of my guests and I talk a lot about self-care and it's so important that we care for ourselves because we're givers and we give a lot. And, and lots of people who listen to this show are givers and they give a lot. But when we give a lot, it's hard sometimes. We, we tend to give too much and we need to focus on ourselves as well. And that's part of our health. So I'm curious, what are some things that you like to do for self-care for yourself? That's a great question. I actually am very passionate about this. I eat a plant-based diet. I think that's the number one foundation that a lot of us can start with. I lift a lot of weights with a lot of intentionality. It's, it's a non-negotiable in my life. I have regular acupuncture treatments. I'm incredibly dedicated to that. I've been through a lot with my body and acupuncture has been a huge game changer. Those are my three physical pillars. And then, as you maybe heard in the background at times, I have my five dogs and four horses that I love taking care of. I live in rural Montana on 20 acres with my partner, and we spend a lot of time just kind of remembering and grounding with the world around us. We have enough space. We have a lot of privilege there in that we have space around us. We have beautiful mountain views. So hikes and walks on the lake and spending time and remembering that we're pretty small 
And that that is a really big part of my mental health myself is to not get so caught up. And then for anyone listening, sleep. So all that, all those plants that you're eating, the water that you're drinking and the acupuncture you're doing, it's not going to work if you can't get sleep. So making sure that that's a priority is a fundamental in my life. I love that you mentioned sleep. That is so important. Oh my gosh. Can't live without it. <laughs> but it's like the first thing to go, right? You're right. You're right. And and I think so often we don't think about how much sleep we need. And because that's not something that we think about as self-care, but it absolutely is. Sleep is so important. Well, Alex, thank you again for coming on. And like I said, we can go on and on and on. I can just tell. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're fast friends. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I just wanted to thank you again. And for those of you who are listening, either if you're interested in working as a coach, reach out to Alex and her team at Aspen Growth Coaching. If you are a family member or a loved one, or maybe you're an adult and you're just thinking, well, I probably need something more, but I don't know if I need residential treatment, then contact the Aspen Growth Coaching and just look at their website first. And then as you can tell, it's very personal. And so when you contact them, someone's going to get back with you and it's going to be a very casual and personal experience. And so I want you to make sure you, you, you look into that. That was beautifully said. Thank you. Oh yeah. You're welcome. So just want you to, for those of you who are listening, remember to keep working on your mental health. And like Alex said, we're, we're small in this world and we need to take care of us. And where, wherever you are, you may not be on 20 acres in Montana. Oh my gosh, that sounds beautiful. It pretty much is a dream. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you, so you might not be there, but your world, whatever, wherever you are, there are things that you can do for your self-care and continue to do that so you can work on your mental health. And I want you to, that's why I started this show. I want to encourage you to work on your mental health. And so I'm going to let you go, but just remember that the Mental Health Today show has been founded in 2015 to help you grow and champion your mental health. Take care, my friends. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.